Welcome to the Second News for Everyone podcast. We welcome all people, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or background, to learn about their Second Amendment right and all aspects of firearms ownership. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm kicking this off because I want to get this one done and one more done before the end of the year. So welcome to episode 91 of the Second Is For Everyone podcast. All right, <clears throat> let's talk about what's going on right now. It's uh, December 7th, 2022. How crazy is that? Uh, Pearl Harbor Day. And uh, I want to say something. Man, a lot of people between Pearl Harbor and now did a lot to build this country into what it is. As someone whose uncle actually fought in the Second World War, I am proud of how far this country came since he entered the military. Um, I find it annoying sometimes that people want to poo-poo America Oh, it's still racist. It still has problems. Uh, there's still uh, hatred. There's still sexism. There's still... You idiot. They're still humans. Americans somehow did not become human beings because we strive for equality. We strive to see each other as equals. We strive to treat each other well. I don't know why you concentrate on the negatives when we can look around the world and see, as Bill Maher said, humans are not good people. This is America. We have a lot of great things going on. We have a lot of good people. Uh, Our government needs help, but our government was not designed to run on its own, and I think too many of us have taken a hands-on attitude towards the workings of the government and holding them accountable based on team politics, that tribalism that wasn't really meant to be there. Each politician should be held accountable for the work they do or don't do. And we don't do that anymore. So I, I think the government itself, what it was set up to be, is working out. We're working towards it. It's just not going uh, as quickly as it could because we as human beings get in the way of making this the most awesome country in the world. I really think we get in the way sometimes without apathy, uh, without pettiness, without tribalism, um, because we've seen greatness come through in America when tragedy hits and we just stop dealing with the BS. When we start working together, it's one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. You can say what you want, but as angry as people were on September 12th, because I'm using that because many of you guys listening, because I checked analytics, some of you were in high school, some of you were grown, but all of you remember what America was like on September 12, 2001. Well, that's what America was like on December 8, 1941. And this country worked together, but then shortly afterwards, it became bullcrap. I say that because this, if you watch old news footage and stuff, you'll talk about, oh, America got together, America strengthened, America did this. 1942, my uncle, if you don't know, uh, I'm African-American. Well, actually, I identify as black, but they started calling me African-American in the 90s, and I just didn't get the memo why. 
But <laughs> my uncle was a black man in the South in 1942. He had a, he received his draft notice that his friends and neighbors had selected him for service. So he jumped on the bus. They gave him the tickets. He went through the processing, and he went to Fort Bragg because that's where they sent him. He arrived at Fort Bragg, and this is in 1942. Now, again, I said December 8th, right? America was all together because we were attacked. Well, by 1942, America was back to being America. And my uncle was told he could not come on base because they did not let blacks on base. Even though he had orders, told him to report, he was not allowed on Fort Bragg. So he took the name of the Sergeant of the Guard, Officer of the Day, and the guards that were on the gate, jumped his happy butt on the bus, and went back home. 1944, they came looking for him, saying he was AWOL. He produced his documentation, said, I reported bus tickets, everything. I showed up. They wouldn't let me on base. So when we go around, oh, America's messed up, America's still made of people. People still have their prejudices and biases. Oh, yeah, and let's never, ever dismiss stupid people. So maybe we shouldn't be too hard on America for not being perfect because America's made of people. And if we want America to be better, we ourselves as individuals have to be better. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It's not incumbent upon somehow just because this is a, a democratic republic and we have a constitution that all of a sudden everything is supposed to be perfect. We have to make it that way. And if it's not, so, and if we see something we don't like, then we have to work towards that ourselves and not wait for other people to do it. That's something I've learned becoming an advocate, being pushed by friends that see the passion that I have for the work. Amen. We ain't getting there by waiting for somebody else to get us there. So, I don't know. I guess this is the intro. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to get that out while I was thinking about it, as you can hear uh, by the windshield wipers going, yep, on the way to work. Uh, I just don't want to delay. I want to get the shows out. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to to make sure I come up with some entertaining. I hope this is. So let's go ahead and talk about what has been going on since the last show. Well, we had another diversity shoot, which was awesome. Uh, we had the Union Hill Gun Club diversity shoot. Those guys were great. Uh, we had some new people come out. Uh, GS uh, Gun Care actually supplied cleaning kits for us, and that was one of the raffle items, and one of the guys won that. And uh, since he was 17 years old, he ended up gifting it to a new attendee who showed up and had never cleaned his Springfield 1911 and didn't really have cleaning supplies. Well, he did at the end of the day. And of course, me being the publicity genius I am, I didn't get a picture or video of any of it because, you know, I'm just that much of an ace. But I thought that was really cool because it was totally unprovoked and uh, just went with the conversation in the room at the time. And he was like, hey, you don't have a cleaning kit? I want a cleaning kit and I don't have a gun. Here you go, man. Welcome to the diversity shoot. <laughs> Pretty cool. Oh yeah, I just thought of something. 
because really it means nothing to me, but I bring it up to show the actual diversity. It was a kid from Egypt and a black guy from South Carolina. <laughs> and uh, I, I just thought that was really cool when it just popped in my head now who, you know, like when we're talking about diversity issue, that's pretty friggin' diverse. <laughs> uh, what else? <clears throat> so that was that. Uh, I decided to try to shoot in a action shooting sport. So at Old Bridge Rifle and Pistol Club in Old Bridge, New Jersey, they had a, uh, they have action shooting and other events on Friday nights. So I went uh, to the one Friday and I took my CZ-75 and uh, I went in and had immediate problems with the gun feeding. Uh, excuse me, ejecting. It, 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 would, it would do a failure to eject. I'd fire and it would feed the next round, but it wouldn't eject the one that was already in the chamber. I had that happen during a stage, like every time I moved to a new location, I think I had to clear the gun four or five times. I don't know. Cool part is though, I didn't hesitate. Stripped the mag, racked it, slammed in a new mag, tried to run it again. Um, so my, my uh, corrective actions were on point. And uh, then I switched to the other firearm and uh, the other CZ, because I have two of them, CZ 75s, has a really high front sight. And what that did was make me shoot lower than uh, I was aiming. It really sucked because I tried to compensate for it. But again, with adrenaline pumping, it's kind of hard to aim off. You know what I mean? Like I was, I usually, what I do when I'm at a square range with that particular handgun is uh, bring my front sight higher between the rear sight blades and that would raise the uh, shot placement up. But when you're on the clock, it's kind of hard to concentrate on not aiming where you want to hit. Anyway, I learned a lot. I also learned to bring a gun that shoots where you aim it. <laughs> So anyway, I'm having fun at these things. I'll be going to one this Friday. Uh, I'm taking my SR-22, and this is going to be the police uh, combat competition, PCC, I think it's called. So I'm taking that SR-22, and I'll be shooting in that. I try to encourage everybody, go to a local competition. Take your defensive handgun if it's, you know, if it qualifies to be in these competitions, or even not if you have another gun. But shoot under the pressure of timed competition. It really does add a little spice to your training. Because a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I, I practice. Um, excuse me, adds a little spice to your practice, not training. Training is one thing. Training is learning new skills under instruction. Practice is what you do with those skills after the instructor is no longer there. I consider shooting in these competitions uh, practice to pulling the trigger under a stressor. It's not being shot at. It's not the stress of being shot at by any means, but I'm not making up the scenario. I'm not making up the timetable. So, and also it's being witnessed by others. But what you'll find out or what you'll discover at these competitions is everyone's cheering for you. Like, no one's going, man, I hope they fall flat on their face. Just not happening. I see nothing but positivity. 
Uh, this is the third event I went at. Uh, the second time I've actually competed. And uh, just a nice group of people. Actually, yeah, yeah, competed at this, this old bridge. I've also competed in the other events at uh, Cherry Ridge Range. And everybody there was positive too. No one was negative. I'm telling you, if you own a firearm, you're cheating yourself if you don't find a competition to use that firearm in. It, it really does, especially if you're new to this, if you're new to firearms or you don't have any firearms-related friends, competition is where you need to go to meet them. A few things will happen. One, you can talk guns with these people because they have the experience. They've got the rounds down range. They've bought the dumb thing and then had to buy the other thing because the first thing was dumb. So you can use the, their experience not to buy the dumb thing. Uh, they also have more than one thing. So they might allow you to borrow it. Whatever it is, you can get it. And they also know where you can purchase things like ammo and parts and everything because they've already worked out where the least expensive was, where the best buy was, where the best purchase for the money is and who to go to. They've already figured that out. You don't have to do it. So that's why it's kind of important. See, going to the range, you can bump into anybody who's along that projectile, <laughs> along that path. <laughs> you don't know where they are on the path of screwing up. Like, they could be one week more in the guns than you are, and it's cool you met them at the range and y'all are having a conversation, but they're not more advanced than you. When you go to a shooting competition and start talking to people, you can discover, because there's downtime between runs, how long they've been in it, and start talking and asking questions, and now you're talking to someone that's been competitive shooting for a while. And even if you don't intend to get into competitive shooting, uh, they're like, yeah, I have that particular gun, but I shoot in competition, or I have that gun as my carry gun, and here's my experience with it. You can learn a lot uh, from going to these events about your firearm, about technique, uh, again, about where to purchase ammo, where to get mags, where to get holsters. All that stuff is available to you by people that have already done it. So I really encourage you to join Second Amendment, it's not Second Amendment groups, Jesus. Man, tell me that's not stuck in my head as a thing I always tell people to do. I really encourage people to participate in competitions. You'll learn a lot. Um, so let me see. We did the competitions. Uh, I'm going to talk about legislative later. I don't want to talk about that now. We have some stuff going on in Jersey. Uh, again, today's December 7th. So yesterday, the douche nozzles in Trenton passed some more stuff through uh, uh, Senate. Like, they care about your rights at all. Um... And, of course, I've done uh, a few podcasts. So, and I've guest appeared on podcasts. I don't think I talk about this one much. I'm on uh, Gun Websites podcast every Saturday uh, with CloverTac and G-Webs. And we just answer questions. It's usually Q&A. And it turns into conversations about a lot of other stuff. Sometimes gun-related, sometimes not. But feel free to drop by. I think it's Saturdays. At like 2, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. is Gun Websites is the channel. 
and uh, give it a listen because people have questions and we answer a bunch of them because between the three of us, we probably have 80 years of firearms experience. Probably. Like, I'm talking about just being in the guns from the time we were kids until, you know, now. So we has different levels of things we experienced from uh, Clover's from Texas. Uh, G-Webs is in Arizona, of course. I'm in Jersey. So we, we've seen things in a different light, and it may... Uh, it may just give you some information you didn't know. I know I learn stuff from Clover and G-Webs all the time. And also in the chats, because there are a lot of people in the chat that are experienced and they have no problem putting information out there. So it's cool, friendly, and fun. All right, well, that's that. I'm about to pull up at work, but I just wanted to get it out there and uh, get this episode started. So welcome to episode 91 of the 2A4E podcast. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome. Oh, I just, um, I don't even know which section I'm going to put this in. Hold on. Uh, let's do tactical concepts. All right. I just finished watching uh, Military Arms Channel talk about why shotguns suck for home defense. Uh, because that came, I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole. Classic Firearms had a versus video or where they were arguing whether <clears throat> the shotgun was good for home defense. And then the next video that came up was Tim from Military Arms Channel. And pretty much my head hurts after listening to both of these and their reasoning. A couple of things that I want to tell you guys and base this on is... When you listen to gun channels and stuff, because I, I am one uh, with Gun and Gear Review Podcast, but I'm also someone that's done, uh, on the self-defense network with self-defense gun stories. So there's different things I concentrate on as a firearms owner and also as a, I guess, entertainer, content creator. Because I guess some people don't like saying that, but that's what you are. You are an entertainer. That's why you have so many videos on things that you can answer once and be done with. Anyway, we're talking about shotguns for home defense and their effectiveness. And then, you know, most people poo-poo it because <laughs> I love this one. It has low capacity. It's really long. Low capacity is really long, and it sends uh, projectiles as Tim said, all over the place. You're slinging lead all over the place. Um, and then he proceeded to go out to seven yards and shoot a target with buckshot, which created a pretty much fist-sized grouping. And then he extended the range out to 15 yards and said it's a much bigger grouping, and then he used birdshot at 15. Now listen, um, if you have a house with a 45-foot straight shot in it, what you do for home defense is have your butler take one flank and you take the other and you guys catch the bad guy in a pincer movement. All right? The other thing is ammo selection. It was ridiculous. Anyway, I'm kind of going off because I didn't write a script. But what I'm saying is this. A lot of people ask, what's the best gun for home defense? Well, when you only talk about home defense... There's various options. A shotgun is heavy, but 
you're not going on a hike. So there's that. A shotgun is longer than the shortest rifle you can own without doing NFA paperwork or owning something like an AR pistol or a non-NFA item. So pretty much if you're going to use a standard rifle, you're limited to the barrel length as short as you can get of 16 inches. A shotgun is limited to a barrel length of 18 inches. So truthfully, there's a two inch difference. Yeah, but if I'm searching my house, that two inches, you, you need to stop. You need to stop. One, searching your house with a long gun is bad tactics. Searching your house with a handgun is still bad tactics. You're just using a less powerful firearm to do it with. You don't search your house. You try to bunker in place. If you have to search your house, you done messed up. And now pretty much anything you use is going to be at a disadvantage regardless because you're moving around and you're not limiting uh, the bad guy to one place he has to come to get you. You're roaming around, which means they can come at you from multiple directions. Just saying. Um, also, some of the same people that talk about using a shotgun for home defense well, a week later, have a video about what's the all-around the best firearm for poop hits the fan and, and the apocalypse. And they'll proceed to tell you that it's an AR-15 <laughs> or, or like um, uh, some handgun. And I have to laugh because it's like you're listening to advice from a lot of people. Many of them are law enforcement or military. These people know how to shoot two guns. They know how to shoot a Glock and an AR. Some of them may have learned how to shoot another right, but they never got out of the thought process of the guns they learned on. Having grown up in the country, <laughs> having grown up in the country and the shotgun being a part of life. The shotgun is a, is a gun that you have um, because it does a lot of things, depending on the load, depending on the length of the barrel, you can do a lot of things with it. So you can have a hunting load, you can have uh, also a self-defense load, and depends on what you're hunting, you can change the load from shooting birds and rabbits to shooting deer to even hunting bear. Because I live in Virginia and you're limited to using, where I lived, a shotgun for all game anyway. So, yeah, a 12-gauge shotgun can take down anything that walks on a North American continent. You can't get much more versatile than that when it comes to putting food on the plate. When it comes to a home defense shotgun, a pump-action shotgun is quite effective. Um, Semi-automatic shotguns have only gotten dependable with the top-end guns in the last decade or so. Like, sorry, but it's true that, you know, a twelve, thirteen hundred dollar Beretta 1301 or even a Benelli is finally dependable, but everything else is clones. But you can get a dependable pump action shotgun from a major American manufacturer for about $250. You can't even get a Bear Creek Arsenal upper for $250 unless it's on sale. So, I feel 
that it is a good purchase. It is a very versatile gun. Are they better guns for just home defense? Yes. Yes. They're better guns for one thing. I mean, yeah, you're, you're a pistol caliber carbine. That's not going to be really great for squirrel hunting. Shotgun will be. Your pistol caliber carbine, your AR, your Glock 19, not going to be really great for upland bird hunting. Your shotgun will be. I'm just saying, shotgun can do a, do more things, and it's maybe, depending on the load, depending on your shotgun, it's like, yeah, that could be that one apocalypse gun that you can walk the earth like Eli with, as compared to other things. But if you have a choice, buy firearms specifically for the things you want to use them with. But... <clears throat> It was just getting on my nerves listening to the same people that will do a video about an apocalypse firearm talk about how bad the shotgun is uh, for home defense. And look, I know Tim from Military Arms Channel. We've had conversations. Uh, he sent me texts before. We've texted each other. But it was one of the worst arguments I ever heard, especially the reload argument, how long it takes to reload a 12-gauge shotgun with a magazine tube. Yo, brah, let me explain something. If you have a home defense shotgun that holds four, six, eight, nine rounds, and you have to do a reload in a home defense scenario, you're going to be famous, baby. <laughs> you're going to be on the news tonight. They will probably interview you on multiple TV shows. I don't know who you think is sticking around for a multiple shot engagement with a 12-gauge shotgun inside a home. I, I mean, hey, listen, unless you're fighting off, like, I don't know, drug wars, most people with a boom from a 12-gauge inside a house that came unexpectedly and did not hit them are doing their Jesse Owens... Usain Bolt impersonation and they will run over their mama to get out your house. So, the reload thing really has no bearing on a shotgun used for home defense. Maneuvering with this really long shotgun has no bearing on most home defense scenarios because you barricade yourself. You don't go looking for anyone. Um, a shotgun has the same disadvantages as any long gun if you're talking about moving in the structure. The only other disadvantage a shotgun would have is a follow-up shot if it's a pump shotgun that you'd have to uh, work the uh, mechanism to eject the old shell, load the new shot. All right? I mean, understand a lot of this stuff is entertainment and they want to get engagement in the comment section. Uh, I just did a quick glance at some of the comments, and uh, they were a good number of people that were calling Tim out on his BS, and they were some with a co-signing on to him, and if you read it, it's like, yeah, when I was in the military, uh, when I was in law enforcement, you know, I used a handgun. Yeah, you used a handgun because that's what you're trained on, and the military and law enforcement training that I am aware of and that I have witnessed or been told about with the shotgun effing sucks. They suck. See, pistols are much more fun to train with. They're less recoil and uh, used a lot more in movies 
and television. So this is what people grew up to think uh, that, you know, this is this is a great gun for home defense. Again, any firearm is a good gun for home defense. Some are better at different aspects of what you're doing than others. But listening to someone in law enforcement or, or, or uh, the military about most aspects of civilian self-defense is a bad idea. If that's their only experience and they can't apply anything outside of that. Because what they're doing is very specialized, uh, open combat with uh, military and law enforcement, they rarely use their firearm. They go through a whole career without going and pulling the trigger. And the training they get is subpar with almost every department unless they go to specialized training because they're part of a specialized team. And then there's a difference between a SWAT team clearing a house and you calling 911 while hiding behind your dresser. You don't need the same gun because you're not doing the same thing. So, yeah, a shotgun is a very versatile firearm that can be used for home defense effectively. You're not at some huge disadvantage. Would a semi-automatic rifle work better? Well, a 16-inch AR, let's go with that because that's really what all these people are usually talking about. Depends. Can you use it? Do you have one? Do you have a dependable one? Could you afford a good one? Because for the price of a good semi-automatic, and when I talk about a good AR-15, I usually start the price around $1,000 because I'm talking about BCM, Arrow Precision, and um, some of the Palmetto State Armories. The better, what is it? Not the Freedom. I forget they have different lines, but the better Palmettos can be used for home defense. Will they hold up to a high round count? Well, none of mine have gone down yet, so, and I'm years into them. So when comparing them, yeah, a shotgun is less expensive. A shotgun, you can get three shotguns from Mossberg or, you know, the Mossberg Mavericks for the price of one good AR um, of different barrel lengths and everything else. So again, more versatile. Handguns, easier to shoot a long gun than a handgun. Easier to shoot a long gun well and more accurately than a handgun even with less practice. With more practice, you get more benefits. These people are entertainers. Keep that in mind. Uh, they're giving advice based on their own bias and their own experience. I have a different experience. Here's something else that's really, really cool about a shotgun, and that's the trigger time that you get on it. Understand, 9mm, 45, 40, 10mm, whatever handgun people talk about using, 357 Magnum 38 Special. All of the ammo for all of those is going to be more expensive than birdshot for a shotgun. Why do I bring that up? Because your home defense shotgun can be taken to your local clay range. And with a few dollars, you can buy a case of ammo for it and shoot moving targets coming from different directions with your home defense shotgun. It'll be a lot more fun because there's a lot less kick. You'll be shooting moving targets. You can hang out with your friends and do it for a fraction of the price you can with a case of ammo from anything center fire like a pistol or a rifle.
So you can get a heck of a lot more trigger time with your shotgun. You can hang out with your friends and shoot the snot out of it. And it doesn't seem like it's one of those uh, uh, evil guns. It's not a handgun. It's not a black rifle. And I live in a state like New Jersey. Again, perspective and perception. I live in a state where your black gun, your AR, will be seen as some kind of boogie-oogie man if you use it by a prosecutor. And a prosecutor comes at you and tries to make their career on your self-defense shooting. All right? You still have to win the fight, but you just also have to win the fight after the fight. And the perception in a state like New Jersey of an AR-15 versus the perception of a shotgun and what people think of it, totally different. Just saying. So, to win the fight after the fight, again, 12-gauge shotgun, you have a light attached to it. You have five, six rounds loaded, plus some more rounds on the buttstock in case, I guess, you get into a shootout with uh, <laughs> the Pablo Escobar gang. When knock or terrorists kick your front door in, you still have a reload on the gun. Shotgun's very versatile, very effective. Don't let people both smoke up your ass. And uh, just wanted to have that conversation out there. Welcome to Tactical Concepts. <laughs> yeah, just somebody got on my nerves and I had to vent. I'll listen to it. Hopefully this doesn't suck too bad and you were entertained by it. I just pulled up at work. So I'll talk to you guys in the next segment. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're doing tactical concepts right now. Hopefully, this one turns out better than what started off as tactical concepts turned into a mad minute rant and then became tactical concepts again. I'm trying to uh, give this conversation some structure. All right, so this whole thing started off because lately, <clears throat> YouTube gun tubers are starting to repeat themselves like they do almost yearly with uh, shotguns for home defense and how they suck. Um, Classic Firearms actually had an episode today uh, talking about uh, uh, shotguns for home defense. And then I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole that went to Tim, a military arms channel, with the title... Uh, shotguns suck for home defense because, you know, clickbait's got a clickbait. And and it just started getting on my nerves. Because if you've listened to my show before, you've heard me talk about or discuss uh, the fact that some of these people with their backgrounds of law enforcement and military only know how to shoot two firearms, an AR-15 and a striker-fired semi-automatic pistol. And once you get outside of that they get lost and you can watch it all you need to do is add a, a hammer a hammer and a decocker to a handgun and some of these people just slip off their nuts they have no idea what to do with it talk about is ineffective so they say stupid stuff so when it comes to shotguns that's no exception uh the striker fire pistol ar-15 crowd only knows what they do what they know and a shotgun is somehow scary as someone that grew up with shotguns, it's just another tool in the drawer. Are there better firearms for home defense than a shotgun? 
Well, it depends. <clears throat> and again, a lot of these people are in their 20s, 30s, some even 40s, but they've been around firearms their whole life, and they live in rural areas. And they don't live in deep blue cities and or states where you can be prosecuted by uh, a prosecutor that has political aspirations, has the sympathy of the population, and even with a good shoot, they can uh, uh, prosecute you and maybe even successfully prosecute you if you use a black rifle. And for those people who run around saying dumb stuff like, a good shoot is a good shoot, doesn't mean you'll go to jail for it. Really? A good shoot is a good shoot and you won't go to jail. Well, sometimes. All right, quick question. Which one of you wish your name was Kyle Rittenhouse or George Zimmerman right now? No, I don't mean you're actually Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, the Kenosha kid, or George Zimmerman, uh, the guy that shot, I can't even think of his name right now because I'm kind of ranting. But no, you don't want to be those person because a good shoot was a good shoot. Yeah, but their names are trash with a certain percentage of the population. So was they didn't go to prison, but is a good shoot a good shoot? Were there no consequences for the shoot they had that was claimed to be a good self-defense? They won in court. Would you want to change names with either one of them? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, so much for your good shoot is a good shoot bull crap. Um, so, yeah, if you live in an area and you have to pick between a 12-gauge shotgun and an AR-15 for home defense with thoughts of winning the legal fight after the physical fight, a shotgun could be a better alternative for you because it is not useless but it does have cons but they're not so overwhelming the cons that they can't be overcome so Tim from Military Arms Channel really was the one that ticked me off because I have to think he knows better than some of the things he said so let's start out with length of the firearm and size of the firearm I was laughing at the way they were acting as if somehow a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun is so long and huge compared to an AR-15 with a 16-inch barrel. There's a 2-inch difference. There's a 2-inch difference between the firearms. And truthfully, if you put a shorter Magpul or shorty stock on a shotgun, uh, pretty much they're even in overall length. And if you go by weight, well, depends on how much stuff you hang off your AR-15, the shotgun may weigh less, especially when you get into a 20-gauge youth model with a youth model stock. So it's some of the most ridiculous things I've said that uh, they've said. It just, just annoys the crap out of me. So, no, a shotgun isn't hugely bigger, like, like extraordinarily larger than an AR-15. And those are the two things they compare most. People also compare handguns, but I'm leaving handguns out because really it becomes a handgun versus a long gun discussion. Long guns are more powerful. Uh, let's go ahead and drop a part of a Clint Smith scene. Handguns put holes in people. Rifles put holes through people. Shotguns with the right load will take a chunk out of your butt and lay it on the floor and leave it right there. So, yes, shotguns are way more devastating than either of the other two. Then you, but then you get into over-penetration. The boogeyman is that very few people have ever heard of anyone being hurt by a round that over-penetrated. 
one of the podcasts I do, one of the other podcasts I do is self-defense gun stories. And I'm going to keep going back to that during this discussion. Self-defense gun stories, we just hit episode 299. So we have anywhere between 1,000 and 1,200 individual stories about civilian firearm use to defend themselves. And you know what we don't have? Anyone wounded by overpenetration. The podcast has been on for about seven years, and there is not one story about anyone in the other room, any of the neighbors, any of the dogs, nothing getting hit by a round that went through the bad guy or even missed the bad guy, passed through a wall and wounded anyone else or hit anyone else. It's not that they're being uh, uh, those stories are being cherry-picked. They're just not there. So... That whole overpenetration thing, haven't found a story yet. But you also got to keep in mind, you use common sense when picking loads. Uh, if you don't want a uh, round to penetrate, then you change the load. Uh, a slug, yes, that will go through multiple walls. But once you start getting into uh, double out buck, number four buck, number three buck, you're dealing with soft lead balls between 33 caliber, 36 caliber, and uh, down to like 22 or 24 caliber. So they're lightweight lead balls that will deform and will be stopped by things like uh, walls. AR-15 round, totally different. They got more weight. They're 55 grain bullets moving out at well over 2,000 feet per second. They will penetrate further than the lead ball from like a number three shot. And when I was listening to Tim on Military Arms Channel, and I did it because Tim just heated, got me heated, mainly because I know him. Like, we've texted each other, we've spoken at events, and one of the things he did was demonstrate uh, pattern spread. Because uh, he continually said throughout the, uh, throughout the video that using a shotgun will fling lead all around the house. And he kept using that phrase, and it was like really getting on my nerves, only because it's so incorrect. One, you don't pull the trigger. You don't just spray and pray in your home. Serve Pro ain't cleaning all that up. But the other thing is, shotguns don't open that far and throw lead all over your house. Let's start with, uh, he started with uh, seven yards, seven yards away because he said for safety's sake, because of course he's shooting a metal target instead of shooting paper. Uh, so, and, and being at normal home defense distance, seven yards is a pretty long shot in the home, unless you see someone at the end of a hallway or across a large dining room or from room, one room to another, but everybody needs to measure out their home, find out what your longest shot is, and uh, find out what the pattern of your shotgun is if you choose to use a shotgun. He started at seven yards. And of course, seven yards with a 12 gauge using buckshot, it's about a fist size group. About the size of your fist, keeps together, and that's without using flight control or anything like that. Good to go. You do have to aim a shotgun, but a shotgun has multiple pellets, and it's pretty devastating when you hit someone with it. If it didn't require multiple shots, then when you take uh, self-defense classes, good self-defense instructors will teach you to fire multiple times because you have to poke multiple holes in the bad guy. Uh, shot placement is very important. 
but you want to hit them enough to make them stop doing what they're doing. One's a psychological stop. You shot someone, they were like, I'm done, I quit the fight. And the other one is, they don't quit the fight, and you actually have to make their body quit. So you do that by poking holes and things that are very important to their bodily function. So the, the ability to breathe, the ability of, of them to pump blood through their body, or the ability for them to think. That's what stops people. And a shotgun can do one through three with one round. But he started, uh, Tim started at seven yards. And that showed, again, fist size group. Then he went out to 15 yards to show how much it can open up. And, like, how dangerous that is because you'll be flinging lead all around the house. I don't know how big Tim's home is. I've never been there. But 15 yards is a 45-foot shot in your home. I'm just saying congratulations on making it big. <laughs> because that's a heck, that's a lot of house. <clears throat> And again, you can change the load that you use to defend your home if you insist on using a shotgun. So anyway, I thought it was ridiculous, ridiculous that he used a distance that long. Most people don't have that in their homes. So it's irrelevant how big the spread of buckshot is at 15 yards in a home interior in a home defense shotgun situation. Um, what else was the silliness? Oh, low magazine capacity. Low magazine capacity and how difficult it is to reload a pump shotgun and loading rounds into the tube. Again, self-defense, <laughs> self-defense, civilian self-defense podcaster. I can't even think of the name of my own podcast right now. Never once had a, heard about a reload. Never once did a story about the good guy reloading their firearm doing a self-defense shoot. Because you know what happens when you shoot someone or shoot at someone? Most of the time, they run out of the house. They try to get away from the loud noise and the angry person that just tried to pull the hole through their body. So I've never heard of anybody reloading with a revolver. I've never heard of anyone reloading with a shotgun or an AR-15. Most shotguns' uh, capacity is between uh, four, five rounds, up to nine. Never heard of anybody reloading a shotgun uh, doing a home defense situation. And if you do, I'm figuring you're going to be famous before the day ends. Because that's going to be an epic shootout. So it was kind of ridiculous. Talking about how difficult it is to reload a shotgun or how little it carries. And plus, regardless of what firearm you use, you're only going to use rounds that are in the gun or on the gun. So if you want to have extra rounds for your shotgun, you can have the sleeve on the buttstock of the shotgun that holds extra rounds or even a different kind, a different load in case bad guys turn out to be multiple outside and they're still firing at your home. I guess you can change over to slugs, I guess, if some crazy situation goes off. So that's throwing that crap out the window about capacity and reload speed. Not really happening. Not really applicable. Um, so, oh, pump action shotgun. Well, what if uh, 
it, it's the racking of the, and Tim blamed somehow the pump action shotgun for the ridiculous gun store mythology about making people run when you rack the slide on a shotgun. Who cares? That's a stupid, stupid uh, uh, saying or story or antidote that probably has been going around since John Moses Browning came out with the 1897 pump hatcher shotgun. It, it, it's been a ridiculous comment for about 130 years. So pay no attention to it. It's not the uh, fault of the shotgun, pump action shotgun, that people say stupid things. Um, don't give your position away. You hear somebody in the house, load your shotgun, rack around in the friggin' chamber. All right, good to go. You can also do it quietly. Doesn't have to make a lot of noise if you do it slowly. Capacity, weight and size, we already went over that. Uh, put a sling on it. You can accessorize it by having a flashlight mounted on it. Um, I was watching uh, John Lovell of Warrior Poet, and he was talking about the difficulty maybe new or novice users will have with a shotgun because they will forget to rack the slide between shots. Okay, either use the gun more and get used to it, or get a semi-automatic. Ta-da-da! There you go. Get a semi-automatic shotgun. Find a good one. Um, not really hard now, because you have the Beretta 1301 series. You have uh, Savage has their... I forgot the name of it. It's like Lever Evolution from Hornady. It's like some combination of words, but Savage have a, has a semi-automatic. Mossberg has a semi-automatic. Remington, well, let's leave Remington alone. <laughs> and uh, who makes the M4? Uh, uh, it's the M4 shotgun. It's not even popping in my head. I think Benelli, right? The Benelli M4 or even the Benelli M2. So there's guns out there that are effective with an 18 inch, 18 and a half inch barrel, 20 inch barrel that are semi-automatic shotguns too. They're more expensive, but when you get the good ones, you got the great one and you don't have to worry about racking the slide, racking a pump action. So there you go, that one's out. Another thing you can do with shotguns, you can shoot it for less money to practice with. You, uh, it's totally able to grab some birdshot, really cheap, 100 rounds of birdshot, costs less, at least the last time I purchased it, than a 50-round box of training ammo for a handgun and definitely for a rifle. You can get that ammo, you can get some clays, you can toss them in the air with a hand tosser, or you can go somewhere and, and load that stuff up at the range, and you can shoot 100 rounds with your home defense shotgun because it's yours and you've rented range time and you can blast a hundred clays and get used to your gun whether it's a semi-automatic shotgun a pump action shotgun oh but it's for my wife all right grab a box of clays let's go honey it's for my husband who doesn't shoot them or somebody else that doesn't shoot a box of clays bird shot gets them to run the shotgun and have some fun you can do some bets. You can talk about some stuff. But once they get to managing the recoil and shooting clays, they're good. Yeah, but it's going to recoil much more if they use buckshot. If they have their form down and can hit a moving target, 
the recoil is not going to be their issue in a home defense situation. If they have the form and function down, they won't probably not even notice the recoil of that shotgun while they're fighting for their lives. So that's just a non-issue. All right, so that takes care of the semi-automatic shotgun. That takes care of the dependability of the shotgun. Cost of the shotgun. Cost of the shotgun compared to an AR-15. A solid AR-15, when I'm giving advice, between a, a, a solid start, when you're talking about the range of a middle-of-the-road AR, it's between 800 to $1,200. I usually tell people 1000 bucks. But let's go with $1,200. $1,200 shotgun will get you a 1301 tactical. One of the best shotguns out there that are semi-automatic with all the bells and whistles you'll need. And it'll definitely pick you up anything from, it'll pick you up a, a Mossberg, what, 950? It will pick you up a good Mossberg semi-auto. It'll pick you up, uh, it, you'll be able to purchase Savage for that price. You'll definitely be able to purchase the Beretta for that price. And those are semi-automatic shotguns. When you compare it to uh, pump-action shotguns, the Mossberg 590 is right there for like five, six hundred dollars. So for the cheapest AR you can buy, you can purchase two, well, one, <laughs> Mossberg 590, or you can purchase a Mossberg Maverick and a couple cases of ammo, and probably even more. Just saying. So a shotgun is Less expensive than a centerfire rifle caliber carbine. Uh, the ammo itself, the practice ammo, is cheaper. Um, it has a lower capacity, but capacity has really never been that much of a thing. And, uh, and then, if you do know, yeah, you have a lower capacity on your shotgun. If that's going to be your running around the house, everything gun, my suggestion is this. You get more than one firearm. I think, and this goes into another conversation, because... Content creators create content, and they have to have things to talk about. But they're also entertainers. Don't confuse that with subject matter experts. And I think that's a problem a lot of people have. You watch this person come up with two, three, four uh, pieces of content every week to do with firearms, and you somehow think they know about firearms self-defense. They don't. Many of them don't. Many don't shoot that well either. They talk about guns. They show you them shooting guns. They don't show you a target a lot. And if they do show you a target, it's because it's really close and they just shoot it fast. And very few of them run a shotgun quickly or effectively. But man, they love it doing that ding, 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 on steel really close with their handgun and their AR because they know people love it. And let's not talk about the fact that they speed it up also. Shotguns keep you honest. Not many people messing around with that. A shotgun will kick your butt. Magazine-fed shotguns, still questionable because a shotgun is a rimmed cartridge. It was older technology, so those rims can get hung up and not feed correctly. Uh, the shotgun shells themselves are plastic, 
so they can deform. And the magazines are also, usually I found, plastic. And they're heavy as Jesus because the load a shotgun carries. And they're bigger than the average magazine, so fitting in pouches and everything else is a problem. So I would stick to a tube fed for self-defense or home defense. Another thing about shotguns, again, we can go back to the versatility of it. These very same people will make a video talking about <clears throat> shotguns suck for home defense. But then when you talk about the, ap the apocalypse firearm, many of them pick a 12-gauge shotgun because of its versatility. Sometimes it's enough to make your head hurt. 12-gauge shotgun is very versatile. It's a really good apocalypse weapon. Um, because you can swap out barrel lengths, you can take out loads, you can put red dots on it. It can work with anything, again, from birdshot to slugs. That means you can hunt anything from birds to polar bear on the North American continent and drop it with a 12-gauge. And you can swap out barrel lengths, stock lengths, all kinds of things, the sights that are used on it, all that's available for a 12-gauge before a shotgun versatile firearms. I think they're very decent for home defense as long as you're aware of the pros and cons. And for all-around use, again, very good choice. But truthfully, get a long gun, get a couple long guns, make it a centerfire semi-automatic firearm. AR-15 is a great choice too. Get a handgun because it's really good too. Oh, and let's talk about tactics, because a lot of, uh, I wanted to squeeze that one in before we left. A lot of the videos about using a firearm for home defense, these people discuss moving through the home and why it's not advantageous to use a shotgun. It's not advantageous to move through your home. The people that do searches of homes, the people that clear homes, usually do it in the company of multiple people armed with multiple guns. You're doing it in your Scooby-Doo underoos is a bad, bad move. You're failing tactically. And the only reason you should do something like that is to get a loved one back from a room where they aren't. So everyone's together and you're at one spot. I was listening to the guy from Classic Firearms and he was talking about he if he had his family in one room, he would take the fight out to the bad guy because when there's a gunfight, bullets fly everywhere. Yeah, brah. Some things happen when you're younger that you don't think your way through because you see yourself as an action star. When you get outside of your room, when you get outside of the hole, badger hole that you're in, People who want to hurt you can come at you from multiple angles. You can't watch your own back. When you're in there with your family, put your family on one side of the room, behind lots of stuff that will stop or severely slow down rounds coming in, and you get on the other side. Hopefully, you're smart enough and your family's outfitted enough that you have multiple guns, and if bad people or person breaches the bedroom, they receive fire through the one door from multiple directions. Tactics are involved. 
Good taxes are necessary. Bunker it down. If at all possible, do not go looking for bad guys in your home. Shotguns can be good for home defense. Make a choice. Also, again, if you live in a place that is very litigious or has a lot of prosecutors that try to make political hate off of law-abiding gun owners, a shotgun may be a better option than the AR-15. A shotgun equipped with a sling and a light and even a red dot if you want to use one still looks less like something from Call of Duty than your most basic M forgery with a red dot on it. It just does. That's public perception, but it does extend your ability and make your ability to use a shotgun more efficient, more effective. So, again, traditional shotgun, traditional pump-action shotgun, or even a semi-automatic shotgun is still a good choice for home defense, regardless of what your favorite gun tuber says. Understand they are not experts. They might be there just to get clicks especially if they're law enforcement or military, because the law enforcement and military, for the most part, depending on your job, does not stress shotgun use and do not teach close quarters combat with a shotgun. So I don't care how many deployments or how many entries their SWAT team made, if they're not being trained to use the shotgun efficiently as effectively as a CQB weapon, They have nothing to teach you about a shotgun. Stop giving people with military and law enforcement backgrounds kudos for for crap they can't do. I tell people all the time my military background outside of the four safety rules does not translate to civilian firearms use. Sorry, it does not. If you want to take a class like a military, uh, like a military member, and that somehow that LARPing makes you happy, which is fine, cool. But it's not the same thing as civilian armed self-defense. It is not. Don't confuse the two. Stop believing these guys are some kind of freaking tactical gods. Because I don't care what SEAL team, what beret, what color hat they wear. Home defense is different than military deployment of firearms and firearm systems. All right, let's end this because it went on for 28 minutes. I might combine two things with this and call it, you know, tactical concepts. And, um, man, I'm forgetting the categories of my, my, my podcast. I might combine these two things. Anyway, thanks a lot. Oh, gun culture. I might combine the two. All right, see you in the next segment. U.S. Law Shield. I'm working with U.S. Law Shield. Our code is 2A4E. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting uh, carry insurance, U.S. Law Shield is a good one to go to in New Jersey. It's the only option we have. So if you live in NJ, U.S. Law Shield. 2A4E is the code. If you live outside of Jersey and in a state that allows you to pick any of them, compare And if U.S. Law Shield offers you the best thing, I'd say come back here. What does U.S. Law Shield offer you? 
365 coverage, uh, emergency coverage with an attorney. They even have non-emergency attorney. So if you have some questions about legality, instead of going in a Facebook forum, just call up the number to the lawyer and speak to one and see if it's legal. And it's firearms related. These are actual lawyers that know about those laws. Every lawyer doesn't because they don't specialize in it. You also don't have to pay any attorney fees. They ain't, there are no caps. There's no hourly limit and no deductible. So you get a lawyer and it covers all legal weapons. And they give you state specific educational videos, updates and online resources. And all of this for as little as $10.95 a month. So I'm saying join U.S. Law Shield and then help us out with 2A4E as a code to let them know you heard it here. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Talk to you later. Welcome back. Episode 91 of the Second is for Everyone podcast. This is a mad minute. Didn't think I'd do one, but man, gun guys won't shut up about Brittany Grinder and the Victor Bout trade. <clears throat> so uh, I wanted to talk about it because it's kind of, it's down the line of second inch for everyone. All right, Victor Bout, merchant of death, <laughs> god of war. That's what they say. Uh, and he was, it's, <clears throat> the character that uh, uh, Nicolas Cage played was based on him. He's known as this, he's known as that. That's how terrible he is. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I've given myself the moniker of largest pound-for-pound gun bunny in America. I'm like, if my job was to sell weapons to people, why wouldn't I want to go by God of War or Merchant of Death? It's better to be in the Costco of the gun world. Just saying. It's a it's a cooler saying. So Okay, Victor Bout, he sells guns and and tanks and weapons of mass destruction. Do, do you see what I'm talking about? To anybody that can afford them. Wow. As someone who is a Second Amendment absolutist, Victor sounds like a business person to me. And Brittany Grinder, Brittany Grinder, a WNBA player, and I love they're playing her off in many news outlets as a drug addict. She had weed. The only people who think weed makes you a drug addict are your grandparents or great grandparents. And more than likely, they're lying about it because they smoked weed. They just in denial, or depends on how old they are. They drank during freaking prohibition. So, whatever. Hypocrites. So, at first, I didn't think this had anything to do with us. And I could, I, I, you couldn't pay me to care. I didn't care about Victor Bout. I didn't care about Britney Grinder. I didn't care if they had Britney Spears. It really didn't bother me. Because it has no effect, zero effect, none, on my everyday life. I never, I didn't know who these people were a year ago. And a year from now, I probably won't even remember the story. But they want you to care. They want you to talk about it because they keep it in the public news. And then I just started thinking about how does this affect me as a Second Amendment advocate? How can I use this um, thing that they want to make relevant in the news? 
how can I use it as an advocate to reach more people and in my mission? So I thought about it. And this shows, in my opinion, the hypocrisy of this administration talking about how they want to pass assault weapons bans and no one needs these kinds of guns and they're going to stand up for it. And I'm like, well, if we start adding up the things you've done and showing your policy all around, we can see that uh, 600,000 small arms were left in Afghanistan by this administration that can be used all around the world because we were abandoned into a terrorist groups that we fought against for 20 years. So let's not act as if somehow they're not still active. That's 600,000 firearms, uh, accessories, night vision goggles, laser sight, all the stuff that our military uses, they left there. They weren't concerned about that. Is this administration going to be blamed in the next 20, 50 years? Because weapons don't go bad. When these, these firearms are used in crimes around the world, attacks around the world. And then, of course, the same administration releases someone who's known as the merchant of death. Is this administration going to be held responsible for that? The hypocrisy in itself makes me laugh. Also, again, as a Second Amendment advocate, I tell people the government does not care about you as an individual. The government does not protect you as an individual. It has no duty to protect you as an individual. Case in point, they allowed Brittany Grinder to stay locked up until it was politically expedient for them, and then they worked to get her out of prison. But the Soviet Union locked her up because of political reasons. It was a weed charge. I cannot believe in my heart of hearts, even though it's a different country, that they push weed as a crime that hard in the Soviet Union for everyone. Because this is not the first time the lady's been over there. So much like the United States, up until a few years ago, maybe it was something you could get charged with as a felony, like it was here, like it is here uh, on a federal level. Maybe it was something, just nobody really did it. And when she went over, uh, she went to the Soviet Union to play basketball. The United States and the Soviet Union were in a diplomatic tug of war, and they decided to use her uh, in this fight. Now, another thing, they talked about the, uh, well, we should have released the, we should have gotten the Marine released who was there. We should have gotten him released. Why did we trade her for him? Who the heck says he was on the table? Who is telling you he was up for trade? He's a convicted spy. He got caught. And this is a, listen, I'm a Marine too. And yeah, you know, bring dude home, whatever. But he was caught spying in another country. No one said he was up for grabs. Why do you act like that was on the table? Because it wasn't. So there's that. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm I'm just listening to this and I'm wondering how do we we use this argument to help make our own pro freedom arguments. And I think it's to point out the hypocrisy in the administration of releasing someone called the merchant of death and also uh, giving up small arms in those countries. And I know people go, Well what did you do? How do you get rid of all those guns? What did you expect? Um, my uncle was in the Second World War. You know what they did to make room on the planes? 
I mean, make room on ships to go back to the States. They shove planes off the side of ships into the middle of the ocean. Just saying. If you really wanted to get away weapons of war, which these actually are weapons of war that we left in Afghanistan. Yeah, there could have been a new coral reef somewhere off the on the ocean floor right now made of 600,000 small arms. Or you can just remove the uppers and sell it to the American public. I'm just saying. <laughs> how, how, how cool would that be, the flood to market? How many clone correct rifles could you build with just an AR upper? Anywho, that's what I wanted to say. This is my mad minute about the whole Britney Grinder thing. Um, I think it's silly, but use it for what it is. Get the most political uh, mileage we can out of a situation that people want to continually talk about. And this has been uh, the mad minute that's 7 minutes and 58 seconds. See you in the next segment. Hey, this is Zeke Stout. I've been trying to come on Tony's podcast for so long, so I had to steal his phone out of his pocket. It was sticking out of his back pocket, and I got it. And please, God, please just email him and say, I want Zeke Stout on your podcast, because this is really hurting. This has been like two years that I've been trying to get on his podcast, and he just won't let me do it. Anyways, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's at Zeke underscore Stout, and any other thing, it's all pretty much at Zeke underscore Stout. And yeah, tell Tony I need to be on the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> My God. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. That's what's been going on. And I'm going into the legislative uh, section of this 2A4E uh, podcast. It's coming out today on New Year's Day 2023. reason I'm bringing it up is because of what's happening and also, I don't really feel like going into the specifics of every one of them, but let's just say this. Both New York, New Jersey, excuse me, New York, New Jersey, and Oregon are running into problems in the courts because of Bruin decision that all the anti-gun bills that are attempted to be pushed through by these particular states are running into judges that have the ability to frickin' read that's right. <clears throat> uh, New York actually has to explain why they pass laws post-Bruin that directly violate Bruin, and they have until uh, January 3rd to get that letter to uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Mayor and explain themselves. So all their crap is on hold. New Jersey, same, same. They're on hold over here in uh, their federal court. And guess what? So's Oregon. Because they all have to explain how come the state attorneys general having trouble with English. This is the result of the Bruin decision and how wins happen. So when people are talking about, oh my God, you live in that commie state, you don't live in a free state, understand this was a New York case that went to the Supreme Court and resulted into a win that's going to be felt nationwide. That's why we're doing it. That's why we fight the fight here in these states behind the Iron Curtain. That's why if you live in a state that's a free state, you should do a couple of things. You should 
contact your representatives that are pro-gun and go, hey, I'm your constituent. I support the work you do fighting for my rights. Please continue it. If you have any questions, this is my name, my email, and my phone number. If you have any questions about firearms or the Second Amendment, call me. Don't wait until something happens to do this. Do this today. Be involved in your local politics today. Because some of these people never hear from us at all. Or they don't hear from us until a tragedy strikes. And then their phone is being blown up by paid people from mom's demand. Get involved now. Another thing you can do while you're on the phone with this person that's already proven themselves to have a track record of fighting for your rights is donate $10, $20 to their campaign. Find out how you can do it and let them know you've done it. Also, they know if you vote or not. They can look that up. Vote in local elections. Be a part of the process. Some people, oh, it doesn't make a difference. My vote don't count. Hey, listen, you, you naive, childlike moron. And if I make you mad, fine. But understand, that system has been in place. The reason it's being circumvented is because most of us don't participate. There are a bunch of people that have been frustrated and have walked away from it. They've walked away because, well, the voting machines, this, that, hanging chads, I don't care what excuse or what reason. Both of them have allowed the system to be jacked. We have to participate on every level. I don't know what principles you want to stand on to ignore the civil rights people that look like you have fought and died for, regardless of what you look like. People have fought and died for the right that you're poo-pooing now because somehow you figured out not voting helps. You see how dumb you sound right now when you think about that? You figured out not participating in the process helps somehow. What? I listened to George Carlin in his stand-up talking about, oh, well, at least you can't blame me. You've done nothing. If you don't participate, you've done nothing. You're just someone bitching in the corner. Sorry. You might as well be sitting on the street corner with a sign above your head talking about the world is going to end. You're doing nothing. You're not participating in the process. Sorry I beat the dead horse to death out there, but I know a lot of you guys... A significant portion of the people that follow me don't believe being part of the voting process is helping anything. I don't agree with it. Do you? But donating to these people all of a sudden takes you from being a constituent to being a donator. And yes, they will pay more attention to it. Uh, another thing you can do for free, because I'm tactically thrifty and I don't like spending my money in places that I won't see it back. But one of the things you can do for free is join the newsletter of your local Second Amendment organization. Maybe even adopt a state and be a part of their Second Amendment organization. Like, I know the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association, you can actually join because it's free and be a member. You can't be a voting member, but you can be a member and find out what's happening in that state. You can join uh, the mailing list of CNJFO here in Jersey, ANJRPC, or NJ2AS. And again, you find out what's happening in these states that are actually the battleground states where the legal battles are being fought. And you can donate to those if you choose to. 
but it, it would be great because this is where the fights are actually happening. So you can financially support these, but you can definitely get information from them for free. Also, newsletters for your uh, national 2A organization. Now, I suggest you create your own email just for this stuff. Just for 2A stuff, create your own email. Just just an email for it so it's not you're not bombarded with emails from these groups. But also, they're not lost in the cacophony of, <laughs> of medical and scams and everything else that you get in your emails. And just set that up so you can check it out. So those are my hints or my, my tips for 2023, because everybody does this crap, right? It's that time of year, um, of how to be a 2A advocate and take part in it. Also, another thing I think you can do, and it's not so much legislation as is part of being an activist, and that's um, sharing stuff on your social media if you can. If it doesn't put your job at jeopardy or things like that, share on your social media the work of others and like not just every now and again make it a weekly thing that you pick a couple people a couple organizations that you share kids safe i love them uh share their stuff uh, a lot of people that i am actual friends with in real life um are firearms trainers so if they post their classes i repost their classes Maybe I have people in that area or go into that area or know others in that area and they can get them in the classes. Use the things you have access to to promote the Second Amendment and those in the Second Amendment community in the second uh, the firearms industry that are furthering the good things that we're doing. So that's what I ask you to do in 2023. And I know many of you guys do it, but just if you don't have like a, a plan, let's make a little plan to be that activist that you want to be, or at least step take steps closer to it. Because I know there are a lot of improvements I have been making and will continue to make. And uh, that's what this year is going to be about for me, making it better, making the things I do better and helping others be better. Look, I have hopes and I have dreams too. And uh, and the new year is a good time to start on a clean slate. So that's what I'm talking about with legislative stuff. You can get involved in it, become a part of it, and uh, get your activism turned up to an 11 in 2023. All right, man, that's enough. We're going on nine minutes now. I'll see you in the next segment. Oh, also a little addendum to my thing just now. Um, Yehuda Rimmer, uh, he doesn't get to go on the show before me. I, I get to go first. Um, I'm sorry, Yehuda, I love you like a brother, but uh, I get to go first. Anyways, PPG, he's cool too, but uh, I get to go first. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is uh, Gear Whore. Yeah, that's what it is, Gear Whore. It's been a while. I really suck at this. I'm going to get better. 2023 is going to be a really busy year. I have a lot of news to talk to you guys about. Um, I want to finalize a lot of these plans just so we can make sure that they're going to happen. But uh, one of the things I'm really going to dedicate myself to is the schedule for these podcasts. I know I've been saying it over and over. 
but I like doing them, except <laughs> when we start talking about legislation and stuff, I get kind of angry. And as far as gear whore, I like doing reviews on stuff I've actually used. And I want to give you a continual uh, update on some of the stuff I use. This might turn into a mini rant, but this is about reviews on the internet. Um, it's great. Look, when a new product comes out and people get it and they shoot it and they let you know what it's about, I think that's pretty cool. But understand some of these people are liars. They don't run a thousand rounds through these things. Sometimes they don't even freaking shoot them. So, yeah, that's right. Some of the reviewers you watch on YouTube or, or read uh, in the magazines never pull the trigger on the product. Also, when we're talking about using products like knives, I think knife reviews are some of the dumbest things I've ever seen when all you see people do is cut a piece of paper. Dude, I had a pair of safety shears in kindergarten that you could cut paper with. That means absolutely nothing when we're talking about a $150, $200 knife that uses some exotic steel. I can get dollar store scissors to cut paper. What are you proving? Look, that's it in a straight line. Get away from me. So, uh, so when I'm talking about things, uh, when I'm giving a discussion on and a review on something, I wanted to be on something I actually used, put through its paces, figured out how it works, figured out that, yeah, I did not read the directions, but around, you know, the 15th time I took the gun out, I realized, oh, that's what that thing is for. I'm such an idiot. That kind of thing. And if you watch some of your YouTube reviews, you'll see people that can't figure things out, but they claim they fired 2,000 rounds through the gun. Now, somebody that's taking classes and fired like 1,000 rounds or over 1,000 rounds on a weekend, guess what you figure out? You figure out everything about that gun if you fire 1,000 rounds through it over a two-day time period. So for them to say they fired 1,000 rounds, but then you see they're glaringly stupid when it comes to some things, means they're lying to you. They are lying to you about the amount of times that they shot that gun. Or they're full-blown idiots that don't know how to use it. Do I sound judgmental? I am. I'm not going to lie about it. I, I do judge some of these people because I've been shooting guns for a long time, and I've been making mistakes with them, and I've been doing all kinds of things, and at least I admit to it, and I'm not going to lie to you. All right. So what am I talking about today? All right. Um, because I've been shooting... Uh, started competition shooting and because I was helping somebody out, I broke out my Ruger SR22, uh, semi-automatic handgun with a four and a half inch barrel. I got the one with the longer barrel. A couple of reasons. I wanted something to be like a modern polymer handgun and I was trying to figure out what to get. Uh, and I think Maybe the SR-22 was slightly cheaper, or I, I really couldn't think of, oh, that's what it was. I really couldn't think of the other gun. The two firearms, there's three guns. When I wrote in uh, to one of the forums, there's nothing but firearms instructors. I asked what semi-automatic 22 do they use and do they trust that's like a modern firearm, and I got three. The three I got were the Ruger, uh, what was it? The Ruger Mark III, I think at the time it was out. Uh, the Ruger Mark III. 
the Smith and Wesson uh, M and P twenty two pistol and the Ruger SR twenty two. And I think the SR twenty two was the least expensive of it, and me being tactically thrifty, that's the one I picked up. I picked it up. I picked it up with multiple magazines. I really enjoy the gun. It has some. Uh, it has a long trigger pull, double action trigger pull. It's hammer fired. Uh, has a double action trigger pull that's long and painful and at distance, even at closer range. If I'm not careful, I will pull it off target. I the single action is decent, and I can shoot well with it. Um, used it for years. I think I've owned it. I don't even know how long. It had to be over six years now. I've fired thousands upon thousands upon thousands of rounds through it. Uh, my go-to 22 ammo is uh, the Federal Bulk Pack, the 325-round uh, box. So that's pretty much what this gun has eaten, plus a lot of CCI mini mags. I also have uh, a Gila. A lot of a Gila has been through it. So those are the rounds that this thing digests all the time. It hates uh, Remington anything. Those golden bullets or whatever they are are horrid. Uh, I don't even know how those people are still in business. So I bought out the SR-22 handgun. The only time, very few, very few problems with it not feeding, not firing, or ejecting. Um, I had some CCI bulk pet hot garbage uh, at the range this week, and it was spitting that out. I started, <clears throat> I got, I trained one of my guys up on handgun earlier this month. Don't remember if I talked about it or not on this podcast, but I've spoken about it on others. And we went through probably 300 rounds in 90 minutes. And uh, I got him shooting rat holes at five and seven yards, keeping it all on target at 10. We just had a good time. He learned a lot about sight, sight picture, sight alignment, trigger control, breathing, all of that. And uh, so that SR-22, I think, is very, very good for that. Uh, then I was able to use it in police combat competition because you can actually shoot rimfire in that. So I was carrying it in a holster, and I did a draw from holster, and I was able to shoot the SR-22 iron sights. Uh, during this competition, I, I won my category, which I was the only person shooting rimfire iron sighted. But out of, uh, what was it, 31? 31 shooters? I was in number nine overall. So, again, I'm proud of the work I did. I started practicing more with the SR-22 because 22 ammo is cheaper, and I have a lot more of it. I'm saving my centerfire ammo for diversity shoots. Hopefully uh, soon, in the next couple of months, I will have my stuff out of storage. And I'm able to get to the other ammo that I have stored up. So uh, I'm not at an ammunition deficit. So the SR-22 is really working well for me right now. Uh, I actually just cleaned it today because I'm going to take it to the range. I really like shooting it. I'm working on shooting it at 25 yards at a reduced size target. Because in the police combat shooting, you have a reduced size silhouette at 25 yards. It's supposed to represent shooting at 50. And 
I was able to get significant like most of. I think I might have had two or three off target, but everything else uh, for the drills we were shooting are all on target. And I'm like, I want to work and get that tighter. I want to work on my point of aim. I, For me, I'm having issues with the front sight. They have a painted on red dot in the middle of the front sight. And the one I have had air bubble in it. And that is really distracting when I'm trying to shoot because the air bubble uh, popped and there's a little black mark and it keeps drawing my eye to it. I really need to either paint over that or I was looking at uh, replacing the front sight with a high-vis fiber optic sight. And it's like $25. Uh, I have to look and see how easy it is to push the uh, sight out because everything is cute until you're trying to use it, you know. Everything is cute to buy a site and all of that, and then you realize you have to purchase a site removal tool or something else. And it's like, oh, oh that kind of stinks. So that's what I'm looking at. If I replace the site, awesome. I'll probably replace it with something green. Um, maybe it'll be thinner because it's kind of fat. Uh, the front side is kind of thick. But there's a lot of air between um, when you look through the rear sight to the front sight. There's a lot of air on each side. So a thinner sight will give it a lot of play. And that's not so cool for uh, fast target acquisition, or excuse me, precision, because you're trying to even it up. I don't know. I mean, I might do some things. I like using the gun as stock so you can learn it. And then you can be more educated on the changes that you make. I want to get better with this. I want to shoot it more to see how good I can get and then use that realization. Good I can get with this particular competition and use that realization to see if even if changing out that front sight will be a help. I know what I'm not going to do, though. I am not putting a red dot on that puppy um, because that's money that won't ever come back in my pocket. And shooting this particular competition. The guys that are, that have red dots are shooting either Volkhorsen, uh, pistols, which are really the Ruger Mark III or Mark IV pistol, uh, with all kinds of advanced, uh, or sophisticated parts on it. Or they're using the Ruger Mark pistol series with all Volkhorsen parts. So they have, you know, $1,200 22 pistols with red dots that cost more than my entire gun. And I'm like, I really don't want to get in some battle with them. I'll just keep shooting what I am. And uh, hopefully other people come out and compete. And uh, they get into the iron sighted 22 also. When Sean and I started up the Minuteman Challenge, what we were really trying to do was get people to come out and shoot with the guns they already own. I look at the competitions that I'm entering now with the action shooting at the Old Bridge Rifle and Pistol Club and with the uh, police combat shoots at the Old Bridge Rifle and Pistol Club. I look at those as a way just to get out of the house and shoot the guns I already own. I am not going to be, uh, so if you guys are following me, I am not going to be buying a bunch of competition gear because I am not trying to compete on that level. I will use the gear I have. I... <clears throat> may upgrade some of the gear I have to work either, you know, for concealed carry, so, or something to put on your belt to draw from to do reloads. Actually, I already have that. I might pick up something for the 22, 
because it's easier than digging around in my pocket trying to grab a reload and come back out with it. But I want to keep it real. I don't want to become a, a, a serious competitor in that. But what I do want to do is use the guns I already have to the best of my ability to replicate if I'm carrying the gun on me somewhere. And, well, what do you carry the 22? 22 is very lightweight. The SR-22 is a really lightweight handgun um, that I can put in a pair of shorts and they won't pull my pants down. You know, something with a, with a elastic waistband or drawstring. That's one of the advantages of that lightweight gun. One of the negatives of it is, of course, it's a 22. But I found the ammo that works with it, and I'm getting much better at shooting it accurately at speed. So, yes, God forbid anything horrible happens, and I have this on me. Even though in Jersey, you know, they have, now they've made it impossible legally for me to carry outside of my home, outside of my front yard. But if something does happen, even in, the, in that contingency, I will be able to put rounds on target. <laughs> As I know, I've been able to do at 25 yards, no problem. So shooting a gun, having fun with the SR-22, I recommend it. The only downside I find with it, besides the double action trigger pull, which is fine because it's a double action, single action. You know, you pull the trigger, it goes bang, the hammer cocks all the way back, it fires. Uh, but then the hammer resets itself for the single action next shot. That's double action, single action. Um, the downside is the safety. It's backwards. You flip the safety up for fire and down for safe. Really not intuitive if you grew up with uh, Browning type safeties or even Western type safeties where your thumb safety flicks the thing on and off. It is backwards. You just have to get used to it. That's what I'm working with. It, it takes a little bit longer when I draw the gun and put the safety off and then I have to uh, shoot double action. I've been practicing flicking off the safety, cocking the hammer with my finger. And the reason being, for competition, I don't want to keep losing that first shot to a horrible devil action trigger pull. Like working on it, I'm working on it. I work on it during practice to get better at the devil action trigger pull because it's important. You know what? I've been slacking on how I'm doing that. I'm going to change it up now. I'm going to decock between uh, every shot and work on just that double X trigger pull at five yards to make sure I keep it in the same spot. And then I'll stretch it out as I get better, shooting nothing but double X. Last week when I was at the range, I was shooting left hand only uh, at five, then at seven. And then I went further back. I think I stopped it at seven. Because firing left hand only for somebody that's right-handed, it's a little weird. But I'm practicing the things I'm not good at. That's the only way you can get better at them. Anyway, hey, that that is my update on the SR-22 and also my rant on YouTubers and reviewers. And my idea using 22 as a training handgun. I think it's a good idea as a self-defense handgun. 
there are better things, but if you have to use it, you better know what ammo to use, and there is no shortcuts. If you're using a 22 for self-defense, you better be able to put a bullet where a bullet makes a difference. That means shoot them in the face often and rapidly. I know. If somebody's wincing or, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, then this is not a conversation for you. But that's something you definitely have to do with a 22. Shot placement is important with a handgun. But with a 22 handgun, it is paramount that you be able to put that around where it needs to go and you need to be able to do it quick. Thank you for your time. <laughs> See you in the next segment. Hey, we're wrapping uh, episode 91 up. And I just want to go ahead and tell you guys, um, we're doing the shout outs. And these shout outs go to all of the people that are members of the Second Amendment groups that have been fighting the fight in the courts, the one that's helped when Bruin, the ones on the local level that are winning continually in the courts. I'd like to thank those groups. In Jersey, I'd like to thank and, and, and give a shout out to ANJRPC, Association of New Jersey ANR, Rifle and Pistol Club. Uh, yeah, Rifle and Pistol Clubs, that's it. And also CNJFO, Coalition of New Jersey Firearms Owners, NJ2AS, New Jersey Second Amendment Society. Um, I, I'd like to give a shout out to those organizations because you're fighting the fight, taking the state to court. And in every state that people are going to push back against the individual's right to carry, these local Second Amendment advocacy groups are the ones fighting the fight. It's not that I don't support the NRA, but I understand a couple, a few things. NRA is going through some stuff right now. Whether you like them or not, there's no denying that they are distracted. Two, the NRA is a national organization that has a finite amount of money. So they donate their money to sure fire wins, not to every case. Now, what I dig about local groups is they can take the fight local. So when they pass a law in your state that's unconstitutional, as far as the Second Amendment is concerned, these local groups can jump on it and their funding supports that. So if you want to fight the fight in your location, donate to local groups. If you pay attention, and one way to pay attention is join a firearms policy coalition. Uh, and join, pick a pet state, pick a couple of pet states, get emails from their 2A organizations like Nebraska Firearms Owners Association. You know, you can become a member for free. You're not a voting member, but you can just log on to their website and become a member of the Nebraska Firearms Owners Association and you can get their emails and find out what's going on there. CNJFO, ANJRPC. Those places are in Jersey, uh, NJ2AS, join. I think you can at least get their emails free of charge and get on their email list, learn what's happening in that state. And if a fight pops off that you want to donate to, you can do that. But at least you're aware of what's going on outside of your state if you live in the state. 
that is free, quote unquote. Another thing you can do is, uh, as a member of these organizations, go and learn who the heck these people are and maybe um, show up yourself and testify. Or if you don't ever want to go that far, at least you can go to a meeting and, and, and see who these people actually are that are fighting for your rights and get to know them. Because a lot of people do a lot of other things besides 2A advocacy. Uh, to fight for your rights or to even help out their neighborhoods or communities by being EMTs, firefighters, just different things. There's lots of good people you can meet by participating in Second Amendment advocacy. So I, I encourage you uh, to join your local groups and look for other groups in other states to support and help fight the good fight. And not only when, when you know a fight is coming, maybe donate to that individual state's fight instead of the big uh, national organizations because they're going to direct their money wherever they feel it's needed. So big shout out to all of the Second Amendment advocacy groups, especially the local ones that are fighting the good fight every week. All right, this is finally the end of this. Thank you guys for waiting this long for this episode. I'm on my way to SHOT next week, SHOT Show in Las Vegas next week, and I'll be recording stuff and dropping it uh, all of next week. Uh, We'll see what we can do for uh, you guys that listen to the podcast. I really appreciate your patience, and I will be talking to people and networking in the media room, setting up a schedule to actually be doing interviews with individuals, not only maybe at SHOT, if they have time, but also um, setting up so we can do interviews during the year. So a lot more interviews coming in 2023 and a busy schedule. So happy new year. I hope you and your family, your loved ones all have a blessed new year. And I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Greatest line from Reverend Ken Blanchard. And I use it too. Bye, everyone. Until next time.